Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Welcome to Village Global's Venture Stories. I'm Ann Duane, co-founder and partner here at Village Global. Today, we have with us Nick Grandy, co-founder and head of product at OutSchool, and Wesley Samples, co-founder and COO of Sora Schools. And so without further ado, I'm going to ask each of them to introduce themselves. So Wesley, over to you. Tell us a little bit about you. Hey, everyone. I'm Wesley Samples, one of the co-founders, and I'm the chief operating officer um, at Sora Schools. We're an online project-based high school, and we're on a mission to build the best high school in the world. Hi there. Great to be chatting today. I'm Nick. I'm one of the co-founders of OutSchool, and I'm the head of product as well. OutSchool is a marketplace of live online classes for learners ages 3 to 18. And a little relevant background about me, I was also as a teacher early in my career, a high school teacher at a private school in Brooklyn, where I taught high school physics. And previously was an early employee at Airbnb, which was a formative experience for me in terms of uh, peer-to-peer marketplaces and also worked at Clever, another ed tech company. Wow. So OutSchool seems like the perfect fusion of all of those in a sense. Bring it all together. (laughs) Great. And now let's turn it over. And again, we'll ask each of you to describe your vision for the future of high school. And Wesley, can we start with you? Sure. So it's Sora's philosophy that high school should be about engagement, exploration, and most importantly, building internal motivation in students. And these are all areas that the traditional model has failed us in quite, quite dramatically. And so we, we believe that students should be enthusiastic about school and you know, should be coming into school, you know, getting the, the quench of their curiosity in hands-on ways and kind of chasing the rabbit of things that are interesting to them. And the way we think about it is we want students to have explored enough to be able to make a conscious decision of what's next on their path. And so we, one thing that we do kind of in this regard is if you look at a Sora transcript, it's kind of a path that it's a picture of a path that students have taken throughout high school, the mistakes that they've made, the different kind of turns that they've made along the way. And they have a goal at the end. And the goal is not college or the goal is not that career opportunity that they have. It's where they want to be in the future. And one step back from that is college or a job or an internship that they want that's going to be able to get them to that place. And so we really try to focus on helping students be more intentional in their education experience. And I'm just curious, do students in high school know what they want? And how do you help them shape that? Not a lot of high schoolers have an idea of what they want to do. Maybe they've seen something that they think is interesting. Maybe they've come across a topic. um, And we have programs that are designed to, to help them be able to kind of narrow that down and try some things. And so Through our tracks program, we have what we call an explorer's track, and that's really just talking to different mentors, finding different artifacts, coming back and having a discussion about it with their advisor, and just kind of kicking off some early projects early in the program to kind of get a feel for what might be working, what doesn't, and building from there. And so throughout a SOAR education, a student has had multiple opportunities and multiple kind of pathways that they've explored and are narrowing it down along the way. Super. And now, Nick, can you share um, your and OutSchool's vision of the future of school? Yeah, for sure. And, and first, I have to say, I, I love what Source Schools is doing. And Wesley, it's totally amazing. And I, I think that your vision is very consistent with what we're building at OutSchool. So at, at OutSchool, we're all about learner autonomy. And our mission is to inspire kids to love learning. 
And, you know, we actually believe that that kids do love learning naturally. And when kids don't like school and when they don't like learning, it's typically because they've been put in situations that, that they didn't want to be in or that have been negative in some way. And if you, you know, go back to this starting point of learner autonomy and letting kids really choose the, um, what they want to do and, and sort of where their interests lie and engage kids through their interests, you know, you'll end up with a world where, where kids do love learning and they want to learn more. And that's really our North Star at, at OutSchool. And so, you know, I'll respond to this in sort of at a higher level way because we are a marketplace for learners ages three to 18. And that North Star does you know, guide us across all ages, you know, understanding, of course, that as kids get older, they, they have more greater ability to be independent and, and have more, more autonomy. So we've really started bottoms up in creating a community marketplace for learning where, where kids and parents have autonomy to choose the uh, classes that they want to take. And teachers also have the autonomy about what classes they want to offer. And when you put those two elements together, you really get amazing results because teachers are leading classes that they're excited to be teaching and all the kids are excited to be there. And that's just a very different learning experience and environment than, than what, you're, you know, what you'll find in most other classrooms around the country and, and, and even the world. That's great. Well, and, and also, Nick, can you give a little bit of color on the sheer numbers of OutSchool these days? Because it's amazing. Yeah, for sure. So at OutSchool, we have, I think, over 11,000 teachers offering classes. We've served approaching a million learners who have participated in our live classes. We have over 100,000 unique classes offered through our marketplace. And, you know, over the last year or year and a half of of COVID, our business has uh, grown roughly 15x. So we just had tremendous growth over the last year and a half. And can I clarify too, Nick, is OutSchool a companion to school or do you enroll in OutSchool as a its own school? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I can see why our, our, our name is misleading in that regard. We're not a school. And, you know, that name actually comes from uh, the value of learning experiences that occur outside of the school context. And, and so that's the, the origin. So we are a supplemental learning resource for families. And we start as a direct-to-consumer company. And you know, our initial audience and user base was largely homeschoolers who had the greatest need and you know, the highest demand for uh, a resource like OutSchool. And over time, we've expanded, and especially through the pandemic, We've expanded our audience dramatically so that we're serving you know, all kinds of families across US, US and around the world. We've also started in the last, in the last year to partner with schools. And so we, we definitely see ourselves as a partner with schools rather than a replacement or in opposition to traditional schools. You know, we, we recognize the reality. Schools are where most, most learners spend most of their time. And if we want to have the greatest impact and help more kids to inspire, help inspire more kids to love learning, we'll be able to do that most successfully if we engage with existing schools and existing systems and organizations to help reach more learners and affect change that way. So we did start with the consumer business and you know, we're now adding in our schools business. We're partnering with organizations like Soros Schools and um, other districts and schools to, to reach more kids. Okay, so that's a perfect segue, Nick, to how is OutSchool and Sora Schools working? And, and maybe, Wesley, do you want to 
describe sure, it? Sure, sure. And we've, we've just entered this partnership. So I'll say like, we're, we're kind of figuring out things along. But yeah, so we're a month into our partnership without school. So we're fine tuning, but I think it's safe to say that we're both you know excited to, to open up this world of learning opportunities. And this, this comes back to one of our goals here at Sora, where it's, you know, when a student is exposed to something that's interesting to them and one of our learning experiences, you know, we, we want them to continue to follow that um, and continue to, you know, have that inquiry in that space and, you know, as, as niche as it can go. And OutSchool is one of our partners who can help us do that. And so one thing that OutSchool is amazing at is y'all have incredible teachers and, you know, we, we're excited to connect our students with those people who are really the masters of the content and have been at the, at the forefront of the spaces that they've worked in or taught in. And that's a really exciting opportunity for our students to be able to engage with that. On top of, and there's a kind of another angle of OutSchool that we're excited about is this whole, we want to say like extracurricular piece where, you know, putting to, with your partnership team, we're putting together like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu course for our students to engage with yoga courses to supplement our days with stuff like that, that it's just, it would be impossible for us as a school to, you know, staff that ourselves. And you guys provide an awesome opportunity for our students to engage with those activities. Got it. And just to clarify, Wesley, your students are enrolling in Sora schools and yes. they're, you're an accredited institution. So yes. you're providing the access to out school classes plus other programming. Totally. Yes. And we're actually putting out school courses into our schedule so it can happen during our school day alongside our other courses. Super. And then, Nick, as you think about partnering with schools, how do you think about a relationship with Sora or others? Yeah, I think it's a great model. And Sora Schools is a forward-thinking organization, you know, like a number of other um, schools that we partner who are prioritizing learner choice and learner autonomy in the education that they're providing. So OutSchool is, you know, we're positioned as, this, as a marketplace. You know, we have an amazing selection and families can use OutSchool in different ways to support their kids with existing topics, to explore new interests, uh, to try new things, to find their new favorite teacher. And we see families using us at, you know, in, in widely different ways from taking classes once a month, once a week to families who are uh, where their kids are taking, you know, hours of outside class every day. So we support a really wide variety of, of use cases. And I think that makes us a good partner for school systems who want to bring that variety and, and use that resource to support their, their uh, program in, in different ways. So another example of this is uh, dating back several years, we've partnered with some charter schools who provide funds to families to choose what, what classes to take. So we've actually had pre-existing partnerships with some charter schools oriented towards homeschoolers. And increasingly what we're seeing is uh, traditional districts taking advantage of that, particularly in the last year, there's been dramatic change in, you know, with COVID, with hybrid learning. And so now we're now seeing rapid movement where, you know, traditional districts who typically might have moved a little bit more slowly are now considering dramatically different models. And Wesley, as an accredited school, how do you think about making sure that students learn what they're, you know, need their from further any requirements and or potentially some of them might want to take some standardized tests or AB te AP tests or something like that. So how do you pick from the smorgasbord of OutSchool and other resources and balance those needs? 
Totally. Well, one thing that's been great about working with the out school team is when we've been able to be super granular with, you know, can we talk to this one specific teacher about this offering? Like, you know, can we move this here? Here's our skills map, like we have at SOAR, which is a map of all the standards that we want students to be able to master. We can talk to them about like, okay, here's how this could connect. And and part of our trial without school that we've done is being able to kind of make these linkages and kind of understand how we can work that in the future. And so we're able to look at it at a very granular level there, but at a, at a, like more of a global level across all partnerships, we're doing the same thing. And so Sora's philosophy is, you know, working with students and working with our experts, but also our partners to be able to link back to this core skills map that we have for our students and, and everything that they're doing. And so students are tagging and self-assessing, faculty are tagging and self-assessing. So, yeah. Got it. And then let's talk a little bit, just so people are clear, how this gets paid for. So in the case of Sora schools, people are paying tuition, right, to be students. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about how Sora schools is priced versus, say, other online high schools or private schools or charter schools? Totally. Totally. So our tuition all in is just under 10,000 a year. Um, we're at 9,600. This includes all the materials that they need for learning, including out school, books, equipment, supplies, anything that they need. But additionally, yeah, we believe that to prepare students to explore the world, our, our school community should reflect a diverse student body that is representative of all socioeconomic backgrounds. And so we also have a flexible tuition program that allows families to apply for a sliding scale um, tuition model. And so right now with our partnership, we're giving students basically a quota on out school courses that they can take kind of within that monthly tuition that they're paying us. And we're going to see where it goes from there. Super. And then Nick, how do you think about pricing direct to consumer or to schools? And just curious for anything you can share about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we are structured as a marketplace where teachers control and choose what classes they offer, what schedule they're teaching on, and what uh, prices they're charging. So that's the model that uh, we use initially for consumers. So, you know, families are enrolling in specific classes with a specific price chosen by the teacher. And that's the same model that is currently applying to schools as well. So basically, when schools make use of about school, they're still paying a cost um, per learner per class that they're taking. And, you know, on the backside of that, I'll mention that, you know, the way we monetize is uh, by taking the service fee. So of all the money that goes through OutSchool, the 30% of that that is paid comes to OutSchool as the, the platform service fee. Got it. And how do you decide what classes make the cut? Yeah, that's a really interesting question with, <laughs> with uh, a, a couple answers. You know, the first is that we're a marketplace. So you know, we've never seen it as our role to choose exactly what classes should be offered on OutSchool. Our role is really about setting up the right, the right support structure to empower teachers and to empower learners. That said, we are a, an educational service catering to families and to kids. And so, of course, we have to provide a uh, high quality and trusted and safe learning environment. And that means that we do have to do some uh, amount of moderation around what teachers we bring onto the platform and what classes we choose to publish on the platform and support. And that's a really challenging area, actually, because it, you know, as anyone who's following tech news these days is aware, sort of content policy and content moderation is really tricky. So we've had to develop a muscle around that from the early days, because it's something that we have to, we have to do well, if we're going to be successful. So we do screen all the teachers that we bring onto OutSchool, and we do screen each 
class that we publish. And, you know, on an ongoing basis, we're developing policies around what specific classes we we support. Got it. And what is the interactivity level with these classes? Yeah. So this this gets to the, the heart of our model. Our focus is small group live online classes. So think five to 10 kids with a teacher meeting over Zoom, because that is the platform that, that powers the, the live interaction piece about school. And so, you know, this was actually something that was pretty new and unusual about 18 months ago. And at that point in time, we were having to educate the market and sort of go out to, to people and say, hey, like this is a really compelling new experience where you can connect with teachers and kids around the world and have this amazing learning experience. And then during a year and a half of COVID, of course, everybody has, has learned about live video uh, for, for better and for worse. But that, that, that interaction is core to our school. You know, and what we think learning is better when it's social. We are a community. And you know, the, the live interaction piece is supplemented by asynchronous interaction. We provide a, uh, a classroom for each class where, where kids and, and teachers can interact asynchronously. And that async interaction is definitely part of our future as well. And the key thing is that kids are uh, building relationships with teachers and other learners, and that the learning experience is a social one. And what have you both learned about socializing with students and teachers online? It's so different than traditional schools. Totally, totally. And so we've, yeah, we've had to find that balance of like async versus sync communication over time. We use a platform called Discord. And so a lot of the, like, we have a lot of just emerging activity with students where they'll jump into voice channels to collaborate on projects. We have a very... I would say like flat hierarchy in our hierarchy in our community. And so students are collaborating directly with our teachers on everything from expedition design to actually building and operating the school. And that's, that's been a huge win for us. I would say in the virtual space, but also kind of, you know, the nature of us being a school. And so I can, I can say more about that, but that's, that's been fascinating so far. What I'd add to that is that our, our key learning is that kids want to engage with other kids that share their interests. Yep. Uh, and so that's one of the, the huge things that we offer is the ability to, to connect with people around shared interests, whether that happens over live video or, or asynchronously. You know, we also use a range of tools to support the interaction, including Zoom, including the, the classroom product that we've built, and then other third-party tools as well, because you know, there are many other great tools out there that, that support education. And so using those as part of the out-school experience. I'll also echo the the interest comment that you made that because that, that's king in our model. We've asked students because we, we put them in specific houses and this, you can think of this as like a homeroom group to do their stand-up and their checkpoint each day. And they would rather be in an interest-based house than a time zone-based house. And so they'd rather wake up at a ridiculous time to be with students who share an interest than wake up at a normal time. to. So that, that's just like one kind of data point that we found there. It's been kind of fascinating. Yeah. And can either of you or both of you share stats about what is the change that's afoot in the adoption of online school? I feel like these numbers are changing very rapidly. And so it's hard to get a good, to get a good pin on it. You know, of course, so many learners were, were, were full-time remote or hybrid, you know, last year, and now we're coming back to in-person. But I think what's clear is that things have changed permanently. And there are many families who 
will not go back to the way things. And even this year, you know, you, we're seeing states and districts embrace remote learning in a way that, in a, in a very significant way. So, California, for example, mandating that all districts do support remote learning for any kid who wants it, basically. And, you know, I think it's going to be very difficult for districts to to really go back once families have experienced the benefits of that remote learning, the, the, the flexibility that it offers, and you know, once districts have had to sort of cross some of those the, those barriers to make this work, you know, they'll also be in a better position to to sustain it going forwards. Totally. And I think we're finally overcoming the stereotype that remote learning typically has, schools typically have. Like, I remember in the beginning of Sora, I was like, no, 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 this isn't videos and tests online. Like, we actually have a community and this is the way it's going. And I think, you know, this has kind of evolved in our favor where there are, you know, many other players in the space who are kind of innovating. So people kind of understand like a school could be a community online and that their student can engage with other students and not just be isolated. We've... Yeah. And so like, it's not, some people are also seeing schools not as like, you know, remedial or like for like credit recovery, like virtual schools, not for those things. Like they could be a core academic experience that's engaging for their students. That's one thing that we've kind of noticed. The expectations have changed. And I think the, and I'll say like largely with like progressive school models online, I I think retention is going up too. I have a lot of friends who are leaders of traditional online schools and they struggle with retention year over year because it has been seen as, you know, something that's temporary or, you know, the family's like going into a credit recovery situation or something like that, but we haven't been seeing the same numbers and in a positive way. And so, and a lot of other schools haven't either. And so I think, something's happening in the space there. I'm just, I'd be curious to see like, you know, in the next couple of years, how that continues to evolve. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the the reality is changing and the online learning is becoming a better choice for families. You know, if you rewind five or 10 years, this is actually a a pretty terrible experience, right? So people watching video, video snippets and taking a quiz with little to no interaction with anybody. And, you know, that's, that's not engaged. And so part of what's had to happen is a, you know, one that a, a better options ha- has been created um, through the combination of live online video chat, and then programs that offer more autonomy and choice and sort of a, a different structure. And then, and then that has to get rolled out and the market has to get educated that actually there is a, a different and better option out there for online learning. And it's not what it was 10 years ago. And I think that that, that awareness is, is now getting out there as well. Totally. It's really interesting. If school is not tough medicine, if you're both focused on making learning fun, then it does seem like your kinds of classes or school could actually compete with gaming or other forms of entertainment. Is there evidence that's happening? I'll share that, you know, on OutSchool, we have an uh, expansive view of the kinds of classes that belong in our marketplace. And, And basically, so long as it's is it doesn't do harm? It's it's fair game for, for our marketplace. So we actually have a, a lot of classes that are that are oriented around around games, around you know Minecraft or you know other video games on OutSchool. And you know I'd also offer that this you know many people kind of have this notion of learning and fun being on opposite ends of the spectrum, and I just want to blow that up. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I think that is so wrong and. I, you know, it's it somehow sort of come down in our culture that that those things are in opposition, and that that is not the case, and just you know sh- shouldn't be the case. 
Well, in fact, in gaming, learning is the fun. And the fact that there are challenges, including having your character get killed, right? And like you have to start again is while it's frustrating, it's actually, you know, a quite a compelling experience sometimes, right? One thing that we're thinking about in our, because we're we're building our own custom LMS is like designing for different player types of students. You can kind of draw that parallel where there's the the achievers, the the killers who are the like ones who want to go head to head with other students in, in, in a competitive way, the explorers and socializers and kind of just it, they, there's different needs um, for each of these players and like how to design for them is, is something that we've been thinking a lot about recently, as well as a lot of our expeditions are game-based. And so we do a Dungeons and Dragons expedition every cycle where, you know, we'll choose a historical context. Um, the different players will be different characters from that time period. And there's a lot of, there's a big writing component to this and students really just eat it up. And so I think the other thing is like a lot of our students want to go into game design. And so it's kind of a natural, like if I can choose what I want my learning experience to be and I like playing video games, like why don't I try to learn how to make games and kind of making that leap and, you know, doing it in our program is something that a lot of students have done. That's that's super cool. We also have a lot of Dungeons and Dragons classes on, on OutSchool uh, yeah. as well, I'll mention. And, and recognize that, 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 yes, games historically have done, um, video games have done a great job of, of helping people learn how to play the game and, in, you know, better than, than many classrooms and schools, I think. So we all do have something to learn there. Yeah, you very rarely read an instruction manual or a textbook about how to play a game. Right. You start playing, right? Yeah. Like, kind of like life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so if you were talking to a student or a parent that's thinking about diving in for the first time, either to out-school classes to, or to an online high school like Sora Schools, what would you tell them? What should they know before diving in? You know, for OutSchool, I would ask them what they're interested in and invite them to to check out those topics on OutSchool. Because at this point, with with you know over 150,000 classes, we we really do have classes on most topics, and so people can search for you know they're like you know Spanish with Taylor Swift lyrics or you know whatever dinosaurs, horses, any animal. Like learn how to draw an owl, and like that, that they're likely to find a classes on OutSchool to engage with that interest. And so that's that's the starting point that I that I use for for new families. Similar to Sora, but yeah, come come visit, come come join one of our sessions, come join one of our D and D campaigns. You know, kind of just jump in and, and see how it goes. We we host these kind of visit days um, every couple of weeks for families to just jump in, parent and student jump into our learning experience, and yeah, ask questions, engage with the class, and and see where things go from there. It is yeah, we'd love to figure out if there is an interest that we can connect with. If not, we'd love to figure out you know maybe what you've been. You know, thinking about as you know, a thirteen or fourteen year old. Sometimes that's that's not much of anything, and so you know, happy to connect you with one of our faculty members just to kind of you know talk through that and talk through kind of your experience in school up to this point. So yeah, I would say similar. Just jump in and and it seems like well. I think the idea of preparing for a good life not and a happy life, in addition to a successful life, is a goal. College is often something that's on people's minds, parents and and, um, students. Is there a trade-off for a student to not be in as structured a traditional school when they're either applying to college or preparing to succeed in college or do not see it that way? We don't think so. We don't think there's a trade-off. We knew getting into this that we would have to build a robust enough program to be able to meet those requirements to get students into college. And we've very much done that from, from the ground up. And so 
We actually think, and this is, you know, in conversations that we've had with admissions counselors, like we actually think that our our students are a little bit more pointy and they're a little bit more directed in a certain direction. And they they actually like that a lot because it's like, it's clear that you've demonstrated interest in this area and here's all here's your portfolio and everything to prove it. And you know, those are the students that they're looking for. And so we've had great conversations about our, you know, our senior class that just graduated and gotten accepted into some great schools and you know, kind of continuously as we've met with more admissions and more colleges over time. OutSchool is not a, you know, we're not an accredited high school program, but you know, we do think that the best thing we can do for for kids is is set them up to love learning, right? And if that is there, then they'll they'll be set up for life in in a way um, that is better than sort of going through any any specific program. Yeah, I, I'm curious. By the way, Wesley, if I can ask, you guys are accredited. How did you handle that that part? So, it was kind of surprising. Like when we went through the accreditation process, we were concerned that they were going to look at like classes and, you know, kind of really pick our model apart. And that's not what happened in both instances, because we've been accredited twice at this point in both instances, we've had the visiting team come in and say, wow, like your students are so engaged, like your parents are engaged. They're, they're aware of what's going on and their students are communicating with about that. We love how faculty are collaborating with students. And this is a breath of fresh air that we haven't seen in the 15 to 20 years we've been doing this. That was the thing that really pushed it over the edge for them to be able to accredit our school. And we had like, we have all the base academic requirements in place, but that was the thing that like they've been looking for. And it's kind of the top of their, a lot of their diagnostics that they're um, looking for, but they, they don't see that in traditional schools. So they were super impressed. That's, that's, that's super cool. That's awesome. You guys could, could do that. It's certainly a question that OutSchool gets sometimes, you know, will yeah, you become yeah. accredited? Can, you know, do you offer, which which we don't at the moment, but, but certainly something that could happen down the line. And, uh, you know, r- related to that is how we think about who our teachers are and the, <laughs> the, the kind of classes that we provide where we don't actually require our teachers to be certified in, in a particular way or under a particular state. About 70% of our teachers are former professional educators. So they have been you know, certified or trained in some way. But you know, we also think that there are many adults who have uh, skills, uh, passions, interests that make them great educators for kids. You, know, you mentioned like someone who worked at NASA, right? Maybe they're not a former professional educator, but they may be able to lead amazing classes for, for kids throughout school. And so sort of that, that approach that we take is, is just a little bit different than uh, traditional edu- education. And kind of building on that, can social emotional learning and social skills be taught in an all digital environment? Totally. Totally. I'll say we're running Project Wayfinder now at Sora. We have weekly group sessions in all the houses and it's it's been super successful. So we per- focus on purpose and belonging. I know OutSchool has a bunch of SEL courses as well that you're probably going to want to talk about, but we've been exploring those too as offerings. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll take the bait. We, we, we do offer a category of classes called life skills. Um, so that is social emotional learning. And there's a huge range of classes there. It's one of our most popular categories of class. And uh, yeah, we, we just see a, a huge amount of interest and, you know, very positive experiences there. And, and for sure, you know, kids are having richer relationships and learning how to have rich relationships through their classes in that school. Right. And Wesley, is work or internships, is that part of the Sora model? And if so, how does that work for high school students online? Sure. So 
the the natural progression of our tracks program is towards some type of work experience or getting an internship. And so you come in, you learn how projects work, you, you're in the explorers track, and then maybe you get into our engineering track. And then your job is to work uh, with not job, like your, your role in the engineering track is to work with our track advisor, who is a professional from the space to help build a portfolio over time of your projects that eventually could be leveraged to get an internship or a job in our program. And so we have students on these cycles and we've started to see some success with this. We have one student who's working at a video game development company right now. We have one student who really wants to get into like early childhood education, who's working um, at a school right now. We have a couple of other students who are digital artists who are um, commissioning their work right now. So yeah, like we're starting to see success with that program, but that's, you know, all about portfolio building kind of against the career path that you want to be on um, and building skills to actually go out and reach for an internship. I'm looking for those NFTs that they're creating. <laughs> um, so do either of you want to share a prediction about learning in the future or just simply share a goal for you and your teams and students in the next year or two? Yeah, I'll, I'll share a prediction that we are entering a period of, of rapid change for education systems around the world. And that, 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 that may sound so obvious as to be uninteresting, but I think that the, the pandemic has really just kind of fractured the status quo in a way that's just beginning to play. So we saw, we saw the shock of the last year, and then we'll see some, you know, continued, you know, a, a disrupted school year because of the continuation of COVID. But I think that this is open districts to change in a way that they previously were not, which sort of, you know, not open. And so I'm incredibly optimistic about the changes that we will see in the years ahead in education systems in the U.S. and also around the world. One curiosity I have is kind of connected to what you're saying, Nick, is like, I'm curious how Sora's price point works worldwide, because you have these very expensive international schools, but there's really nothing like kind of under that at like the local level and, and a lot of these places. And so I'm, I'm curious like what that could look like. Plus, you know, just opening Sora internationally broadly, like what, what that could look like. We have a giant international wait list, but we haven't really jumped into it yet because we're, we're still growing here domestically and we're concerned with time zones and everything like that. But I think that's a market that could really benefit from what we're providing. And hey, we're online, so we can serve anybody anywhere. So that's a curiosity of mine. Yeah, it's so cool that you've, you've seen the interest there. I mean, I'm optimistic that the cost of a good education can get dramatically yeah. lower. As we build out the right platforms to support it, that the cost of connecting people becomes very, very cheap. And a lot of the interactions are, you know, about bringing people together. So you know, with what you guys are doing and, and just the other changes in the market. Yeah, it's it's possible that we could see, you know, in the not too distant future, just a much lower cost and much higher quality education available for, for kids around the world. You know, that, that change is underway already. Wonderful. Well, I guess like one question I have for you, Nick, is in this, I don't want to completely like destroy our virtual schooling conversation, but have y'all ever considered gathering and like, you know, you know, students locally and in, in, in some parts around around an out-school teacher or, you know, experimenting with that. Yeah. So fun fact, out-school started with in-person activities. Okay. 
And uh, so, so when we started out school, the the, you know, the premise that we organized around was a, a marketplace for, for education and this idea of learner autonomy. But at the time, we were actually skeptical about online learning, you know, because when we started this six years ago, a lot of the online learning was not a good experience. And so we had to prove to ourselves yeah. that that you could create compelling learning experiences online, which we did. And you know, that's been a much more effective way to scale up the business. But it would be really cool to bring people together uh, in person again. So, you know, I, I would love for that to be part of our of our future. And Nick, can you share any metrics about the percent of out school users that are outside the United States? So we've out school has always been available to customers around the world. You know, people have been able to enroll from wherever they are. So we've had uh, people enroll from over 170 countries. And, you know, that's one part of OutSchool that I think is so, so cool that uh, we connect people across communities, right? Whether it's a different part of the city, another state, or another country. And so there's a lot of OutSchool classes where you have, you know, we have kids from multiple countries participate in that class. And that's a kind of connection that just uh, doesn't happen very, very frequently. That's always been a, a significant subset of our, it has actually, you know, grown during the pandemic, as we've seen education systems disrupted in so many countries around the world. And I don't believe we're sharing particular okay. numbers around that. That's fine. And one other thing, few companies grow 15x in a year. And curious, obviously there was, this is maybe the silver lining of the pandemic as people could find great learning opportunities online. Anything else that you did to support that growth? Yeah. You know, we, we hustled really, really hard. You know, we were well positioned for it because as a marketplace we're you know, all we had to do was keep up with, with supply and demand. So when the pandemic hit in, in March of 2020, we saw this incredible demand shock on the system. And what we saw is that our supply was surprisingly elastic, right? The teachers on OutSchool were able to offer more classes and teach more hours. Uh, and those classes were able to go from being partially full to full. So we actually were able to scale up the supply on OutSchool dramatically, even in March and April of those first years. And then over the subsequent months, we hustled to add more teachers to the platform and you know scaled from 1,000 teachers on OutSchool before the before COVID to 6,000 teachers uh, six months after the pandemic started. And so at that point, sort of six months in, supply had finally caught up with demand. And so we had to scale to bring on that supply. We had to scale up our team. We went from 25 employees before to over 60 in a few months. We're now 140 team members and and still growing. Wonderful. Well, any last um, thoughts or questions that you folks want to get in? I'd offer... So a few thoughts around you know the upcoming school year, where we, we all need to figure out a way to help uh, kids and teachers and parents stay safe while not letting their love of learning and their education fall behind. And we want schools and parents to know that online tr- online learning can be impactful, effective, and social, yep. and it can inspire a love of learning. And we see that every day at our school. And, you know, for, for, for this back to school, we offer extracurriculars for learners. We have relationships with, with schools. We're uh, expanding our relationship with schools and employers to help provide support for parents and kids. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, both of you. That's excellent. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ed. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out at Village Global. Dot VC.